0: Now may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. For the next 15 minutes, I want to share a little uh, reflection on our passages that we read this morning, Matthew 28. And to begin our reflection, I want to think with you about uncertainty three opening remarks about uncertainty. Number one, uncertainty is hard. One of the most challenging aspects of this season that we are in is the level of uncertainty that we are all encountering. When will it be over? When will it be safe? When will we return to work? When will school be back in? Have we reached the peak? Am I safe? It is the uncertainty that is such a challenge. I heard one person reference just the economic impact. And he said simply this, the uncertainty is killing us. The uncertainty is killing us. And and that is, it may sound hyperbolic. That may sound like an exaggeration, but I can resonate. Maybe you can too. Maybe you've been in a time when you have had a medical test on one day and had to wait for three days before the diagnosis to come. And that season of uncertainty is just so hard. Uncertainty is killing us. No one likes uncertainty. It is challenging. But interestingly, for as unpleasant as uncertainty is, I think the opposite, certainty, is really uh, pretty rare. I mean, think of how many things you can really be certain about. Very little. If someone had asked me on, say, uh, October 31st, are you certain that you'll be in church at Convergence uh, on November 1st? I would have said, of course. What could possibly go wrong? Well, an electrical outage for four and a half months and then a pandemic coronavirus for the next, who knows how long, and it could be up to seven, eight months before we're back in the place where we worship. There are so few things that we're absolutely certain about. In our current health crisis, you know, I think, certainly we have people who are better educated and are informed but who knows how bad it will be who knows when it will get better no one has any certainty and that doesn't apply to this present moment it applies to all the big things of life should i move should i not move should i get married should i not get married should i marry this person or should i not marry this person uh anyone who says I'm 100% certain that this is the job, the place, uh, the person, is simply kidding themselves. Certainty is like a mirage. It's something that we, we chase. We feel like we should have it. We want it, but it it, it it almost never materializes. There are such, there are so few things that we can be absolutely certain about. That being said, the Bible holds out the promise of certainty. We heard that beautiful song with the, the background of, of our church uh, coming to light and it had a great line that our faith is clothed with certainty. I don't know if that line struck out stuck out to you. Our faith is clothed with certainty and the Bible holds out the hope that you and I can be certain about some aspects of our faith. And when I say certain, I mean absolutely certain. Completely certain. Um, this from Luke chapter one, verse four, it's not the passage that we read, but you note that word certainty. You may know the certainty concerning the things that I have, uh, have, have taught you. And this is the gospel writer, Luke, explaining the certainty of his gospel writing. Now I've shared this before, so I'll make it brief. I love words I love their etymology and the Greek word from which we uh, translate certainty is the word asphalian I translated it there it's the fancy letters or the Greek letters and then there's the uh, the transliteration how it would be pronounced so asphalein asphalein now in the Greek language words are negated by adding an a in front of a word so a theist, not an atheist, but a theist believes in God while an atheist does not. So the word is negated by an alpha. And you can see there's an alpha or an A in front of the word Sphalane. So a sphalein. the root word Sphalane means to totter, to trip, or to stumble. To negate Sphalane, uh, you add an alpha and you get the word Asphalane. Now, there is a common English word that we get from the Greek word asphalane. And raise your hand if you know what that common word is. I see one hand raised. Good. I'm going to give you a a, a nickel when I uh, next see you. Uh, Asphalane, the common word that comes from asphalane is the word asphalt. Asphalt is the word from which we get asphalt and if you compare uh the certain smooth surface of asphalt to the previous surfaces that we used to cover roads and this is from our own prince street you see the cobblestone and you can imagine brick stones very unstable you could trip and fall and that is of course compared to the smooth steady certain surface Of asphalt the gospel writer Luke says you can have certainty now I don't think we can have certainty about every aspect of our Christian faith but we can have certainty about the really important aspects of our Christian faith the most important of which is the event we celebrate this morning The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think the resurrection is something that you can stand on asphalt. It's certain. And the Bible is giving us a roadmap. And I use that word carefully. The Bible is not going to overwhelm us with evidence to persuade us of the certainty of the resurrection. The Bible does give us a roadmap that if we follow we will arrive at certainty. So I wanna follow, follow along in this passage with me as we look at a roadmap to the certainty of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now each gospel records the resurrection, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each gospel shows us how the disciples move from fear and doubt to certainty and joy. So. Here is our passage, and our passage begins famously with the first day of the, of the week, that being the Sabbath, towards the dawn, Mary, Magdalene, and Mary, they went to see the tomb. Notice we're not told why they went to see the tomb. Other Gospels say they went to anoint the body with uh, linens and, and care for the body, but here we're just, said, we're just told that they went to see the tomb. Now think with me, there were, were at least 11 other disciples, Judas, of course, who passed away, but 11 other disciples, countless other associates who knew Jesus, but only two went. And they're going, they're, they're, they're getting up and going, places them on a path that leads to certainty. They, in other words, they didn't just think themselves, they didn't just feel. They engaged the will. They got up and they went. Now, when they got to the tomb, oops oh, am sorry, uh, we're not told why they went, only that they did go. Uh, when they went to the tomb, they didn't find Jesus. Uh, they saw evidence, right? They saw the place where he lay, the tomb where he was. Uh, they heard a command, go and tell the disciples, Uh, that he is not dead he is risen so they hear a command and having heard the command they responded they were told to depart quickly go quickly and they departed quickly they responded in obedience now i want you to note they did not they did not respond with certainty look at those next words They had a mix of emotions. They were not certain. In fact, they had great fear and great joy, a mix of emotions, but not certainty. So how do they get to certainty? Here's where the story gets good. As they responded in obedience, Jesus met them along the way. And I love what Jesus said. Here it is. He said, Greetings. That's it. Just greetings. In other translations, that same word is translated, you'll never guess, a very profound theological word, good morning. They encountered, uh, one commentator says that his greeting, which is translated in some places simply as good morning, is banal in its everyday familiarity and having encountered jesus in this very surprising kind of casual nonchalant way good morning hi they finally arrived at certainty they came and worshipped and fell at his feet now on first glance this is a strange story why didn't Jesus just meet them at the tomb? They alone were two who went. Shouldn't they get the, the reward? Shouldn't Jesus be there and say, Hi, welcome? Further, uh, why, did he, why did he greet them in such a casual manner? Recall the last time these women saw Jesus, he was a, a, an unrecognizable corpse on a cross. And the first thing he says is, Good morning very strange, but I think that we will see that this somewhat strange story provides the perfect roadmap to certainty. It teaches us two very basic points, and here they are. Point number one, certainty is always found on the path of obedience. how do you become certain it is certainty is always found on the path of obedience read this very economic uh, statement by one of my favorite authors john stott the test of love is obedience and that is what the women displayed out of love they went to see jesus out of love they responded to the angel the reward for obedience is revelation. These women did not think their way to certainty. They did not weigh the pros and the cons. They did not make a list of the evidence. I'm not suggesting there was no evidence. They did not feel their way to certainty. They felt a mix of emotions, fear and joy. They responded in obedience and they were rewarded with revelation. Second point, certainty when it arrives, often arrives very, very quietly with a good morning, not a, Shazam. That's what I would have said if I had just come back from the grave. Shazam! That's not what Jesus said. He said, Good morning. Perhaps you know this often quoted character. This is C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis uh, is one of the most influential authors and Christian thinkers of all time, certainly in recent time. He did not believe in God for a good portion of his life, but like the women at the tomb, he saw evidence, evidence for the existence of God and evidence specifically for the God of Christianity. Not the same evidence that the women at the tomb saw, but evidence nonetheless, And like the women at the tomb, he responded obediently to the evidence that he found. And eventually, the most influential Christian in recent years became a Christian. And his experience of his conversion was not a shazam, but a quiet confirmation, just like the confirmation that these women received. He describes his final conversion to Christ uh, occurred in a sidecar on traveling with his brother to a zoo. And he writes this, when we set out, I did not believe that Jesus is the son of God. And when I got to the zoo, I realized that I did. The most influential Christian that we have, in the past, in the most recent years, Jesus revealed himself to him in a quiet and gentle way almost the same way that jesus revealed himself to those two women the simple good morning now we may think a big shazam out of the blue will lead to certainty and certainty will lead to obedience It just does not work like that. It doesn't work like that in faith. It doesn't work like that in any of the big decisions that you and I uh, encounter. No, certainty arrives quietly, not out of the blue, but on the path of obedience. This is a picture of the garden tomb. It's a picture of the tomb, uh, possibly where Jesus was buried. And these two women, Mary and Mary Magdalene, went to this tomb, or tomb like it, on Easter morning. Jennifer, my wife, and I visited Jerusalem in, uh, gosh, almost 22 years ago. I sure would love to go again as a church family, by the way. Wouldn't it be great to go in 2021? Anyways, uh, this is could have been the tomb in which Jesus lay. And as tourists go into this tomb and uh, you walk in, and I walked in with all the other tourists who were there. You turn around, and this is what you see. You see this plaque on the back of the wall. He is not here, for he is risen. You have to go into the tomb in order to see the words which are written on the back of the door. Christians believe that the single most important event in the history of the universe occurred on Easter morning. I'm not prone to hyperbole. I'm not exaggerating. The most important event in the history of the universe occurred on Easter morning. Jesus Christ opened the door that, to that point, had always remained shut. He swam against the tide that, to that point, had always flowed in one direction. He rose from the dead, not as a ghost, not as a reincarnation, but as a new and resurrected life, never to die again. And the resurrection confirms that he is the son of God. The resurrection assures us that the penalty for sin has been paid for on the cross. The resurrection guarantees eternal life to those who turn to Christ in faith. The resurrection is our security against any and every danger. The resurrection is our one source of comfort in the face of great loss, as Alice shared. The resurrection is our compelling hope. And I believe that you can know for certain that he rose from the grave. And I base my belief not only on the story that we have just considered, but on my own personal experience, as well as that of others. But certainty does not come with a bright light out of the blue. Certainty comes as a gentle confirmation, as we walk on the road to obedience. And I believe that there is a step of obedience for each one of us this morning. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whether you've been coming to church all your life, or you're simply here because it is Easter morning, I believe that there is a step of obedience that you can take. Maybe it's to dust off a Bible off of your shelf, Maybe a next step of obedience is mending a relationship. Listen to his quiet voice. Listen now. Take the next step. You will find him. Or, more to the point, he will find you. Obedience is the test of love and revelation is its reward.